0: Welcome to Radio Rehab. I'm your host, Dana. If this is your first time joining us, we are a recovery podcast. I'm a recovering addict and alcoholic, and I talk to other recovering addicts and alcoholics about recovery. I just said recovery a lot. I know that. This is a recovery episode. Today, another R word is relapse, and that's something if you've listened to this show in the past— you know I have a lot of experience with. We have tons of episodes backlogged, so if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can go back and listen to our over 200 episodes that we have in the bank. Uh, I know there is supposedly no iTunes anymore, but that doesn't mean anything because there's still the podcast app, and that's where you can find us and all of our previous episodes. Please like, subscribe, and share as it helps us keep doing this. Today, my guest is a friend of Radio Rehab, Doug. Doug. The reason I say he's a friend, well, more than the fact that he actually is a friend and a good person, he was on the show in its infancy, like right when I was starting out and he was kind enough to bring other people with him. He told his story. Uh, You know, very open and honest, Uh, got other people on this show that were very helpful to other addicts out there. Uh, Someone who runs a clean and sober living, somebody who does interventions professionally. And something happened since Doug was last on the show, and that's that he relapsed. The good thing about that is Doug came back and he has the humility and the honesty to share his experience because he knows it can help others which is the reason I do this show. It's the reason I'm sober. It's the reason I'm in recovery. I can't even tell you how much these episodes mean to me and how grateful I am to Doug. So today, our topic is going to be relapse and the road back to recovery and how hard that is. Let's join the conversation.
1: Welcome to Radio Rehab. Here's your host, Dana Keys.
0: So we are joined in studio today by friend of Radio Rehab, Doug H. And I say that because you've been on the show, what, three times? It's my third time. Third time. This thank is your third time? Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Uh, I know we have a lot to talk about. Um, one of the main reasons I wanted you on is because you had a relapse and you were open and you were honest about it and you came back.
1: I did. I did. And it wasn't, the, it wasn't easy to do. You know, I know. So I've been there. <laughs> it was not easy to do. And and uh, you know I, I we maybe we can talk about that. Uh, Let's talk about because it because it was hard, man. You know, um, so I'll, I'll tell you about the relapse, and maybe yeah. we can you know talk a little bit more in depth about it. Uh, so, how so, much time did you have, by the way? Ten years. <sighs> Ten years clean. Yeah. It just shows like nobody's immune. No, nobody's immune. Ten years clean. Uh, you know, gambling has always been my thing. I love. Gambling, if if like we were talking before, mm-hmm. if I was into the gambling and I knew that it wasn't going to cause me any problems, I would have called you on the phone and I'd been like, Dana, I'm not coming. I'm yeah. I'm uh, I'm in the card room. I'm stuck. Right. I'm staying. I like being stuck. You know. Right. And so gambling was like this this big thing for me, and it was easy for me to justify you know the gambling piece because I'm not taking anything.
0: Right. Because you're not putting chemicals in your. That's body. right. Yeah.
1: I, I'm not using. I'm just I'm just having some fun and other people in recovery. I see them at the card room. And so it must be OK. The problem is, is when all of a sudden it became more than okay for me and I gave myself permissions to go more than I should. And I wasn't telling anybody I was going. That's when it started. The secrets. Secrets. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I tell my wife, you know, I worked really hard today, you know, Uh, and, you know, uh, she's like, well, what did you do after work? I'm like, I came right home. You know, oh, lie, lie, yeah. lie. Right. Right. right? And, and, you know, for me, like the gambling thing, I like the nightlife. I don't know what that is. I, I don't know what that's about. I love. I don't know.
0: I've liked that since I was a little kid too. I used to wake up at like eleven o'clock at night and go run around the house when I was like two or three. Right. I know. I've all I've had that too a little
1: bit. Yeah, I like the nightlife. I like the dirty. You know that yeah. piece. You know, and and that's you know that's why I like addicts because they all like the same thing. Yeah. Right. The problem is is that once I get in those situations or I get in those environments. I like them so much I don't want to leave, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: right? And in this case, the gambling piece, I didn't want to leave. You know, I knew my life was getting a little bit fucked up. You know, I I knew that, you know, I was spending too much money. I knew uh, I had a lot of lies, and I had to lie to cover up those lies and things like that. And one particular night, I'm having a good time, and this one guy I'm gambling with said, I'll buy you beer, and I accepted. And that night, that night, I drove my truck into the San Jose airport and crashed into a pole. In a, in a blackout, complete blackout. Wait, that,
0: that was the I thought this went on for a while. You're that saying night. the first time, wow. That night,
1: into a pole. I'm on the phone with my wife. I'm drunk. She's like, where are you at? You know, what is going on? Did she tell you were on? drunk? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or did you
0: tell her? No, or... I couldn't. I couldn't even talk. Oh, right, right, right.
1: Right? And then I, so then I crash into the pole, and I, she says, where are you? I said, I think I'm on the freeway, <laughs> Right. I said that in a you know stumbling voice, and you I know I fucking right, yeah I whatever. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and she said uh, what what happened? I said I think I hit something. She said get out and run, oh. get out and run. And I <laughs> Cause said she's
0: one of us. That, yeah. that
1: would have been my advice too. I would have been
0: like get out of there.
1: And I and I said I can't run. I, I I don't know where I'm at. I can't run. I can't even get out of the car, you know. Right. And so the cops came and and uh, and I got busted. Now that you know is a federal charge. And and I did a lot of state time, you know, back in the day. And they brought all my priors up, my state stuff. Uh, and, and the choice I had was I could have gone to jail and I could fight all this, all these charges, or the judge said, you go to treatment. And it was hard for me because at shame. the time, well, it was shameful. Fucking shame. It's it, so hard to come back. Hard, man. And at the time when this all went down, I owned a treatment center. God. I owned a treatment center, you know, and so now it's in the recovery community you know, all this all this guilt and this shame and this, you know, all that shit is coming, you know, full for full force. And the judge said, you go to a treatment center. And I said, well, where am I going to go? You know, I own a treatment center right. here in San Jose, you know, and I wasn't I, I wasn't in a place of humility enough yet. Right. right? And so I found a place in in uh, Southern California in Reseda called the Discovery House. And I'll give a little prop to the Discovery House in Reseda.
0: Oh, good. Yeah. We'll shout about when we post this episode. Absolutely. Saved my life.
1: Any treatment center that actually does something, I have all the respect for in the world. Saved my life, man. Unbelievable, you know. But before I went into the treatment center, I think the, the biggest help for me was my sponsor told me that you need to introduce yourself as new to your home group, to everybody. Before you go into treatment. So that way, everyone knew I was out from under it. I went to treatment. So I wasn't like hiding in treatment. Oh, right, 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 right. Because I can do that really Uh well. uh And so I went back. uh, After I got done with there, 90 days, I went back and I got into an SLE, a sober living, because my wife said, you're not coming home. You're going to go into a sober living. (laughs) Yeah, that ain't going down. And I went into a sober living in a place that I actually worked as a counselor for. God. Yeah.
0: That's the kind of honesty though yeah. that makes people stay clean. Absolutely. Like, that's the kind of shit that people need to hear when they come into the rooms and they're new because yeah. that's the kind of stuff you need to do like if you want to stay clean. Like when I relapsed, my I mean my major relapse in 2005 lasted 10 years. But then when I came back and got sober, I was about, I had like 90 days, around 4 months, and mm-hmm. I went back out for 2 weeks. And it's when I went back to my sponsor that time and and literally was like what do i have to do right. she was like now you're ready and it's funny because i thought i was ready before yeah but i guess i wasn't cuz no. i was like i'll do that but i'm not going to do that one thing you know and it's
1: not it's not like you know that you know this just, just just came up you know one one day you know i i was gambling for a long time right and so it's like the secrets pile up all that stuff piles up and then it gets to a point where i don't even see it it's so dysfunctional everyone else sees it Everyone else sees there's something going on. I don't see it, which is why it's so important, at least for me, and I've learned this the hard way, unfortunately, but for anybody that's listening, it's very important to stay connected, you know, stay connected, keep going to meetings, keep showing up, you know, get a service commitment. Service has saved my life over the last two and a half years, Mm -hmm. saved my ass. And, And recovery is a very, very dangerous spectator sport. It's a very dangerous spectator sport. You're involved. You mean involved.
0: to be looking, to be yeah. on it from the outside, but you're not working it That's really? Right.
1: You just kind of go to meetings and show up and leave? That's right. Right. You know, it's very dangerous. Yeah. You know? And it's life and death.
0: It really is.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I have a question about so when when the guy bought you the beer, mm-hmm. then did you buy your next one? Oh, yeah. Like, okay. And was it beer or did you, were you like, well, oh, no. fuck, I already it, relapsed. Yeah. So then it was, how that, about Scott? Well, <laughs> I wasn't even thinking
1: <laughs> of it like that. You know, I, I never even thought, like, oh, shit, my clean time's gone. You didn't? Like, I didn't. I was in a place where it was like, it it was like, I I drank that beer, like I was saying at the dinner table, please pass the butter. Right. You know, it was that, like, didn't think about it. It just happened. But yeah, then I, it escalated to shots and, you know, and thank God, you know, somebody wasn't in there with, you know, a bag.
0: Oh God. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Because alcohol wasn't my drug of choice. Yeah. But it became my drug of choice.
0: God, I know. Yeah, that—that's my exact story. Yeah. yeah, it was like somehow, you know, I—I I was really into the program and then and and they say alcohol is a drug and if you're in certain meetings where they chant everyone yells period after that right. so I have alcohol is a drug period in my head but it's like maybe some part of me thought that didn't apply to me or I'm like you alcoholics are gross I wouldn't you know like right. you know, I always thought that was so gross to be an alcoholic but it was okay to be a drug addict right it's okay to shoot dope on the streets but <laughs> alcoholic that's so gross right but then like so yeah it was like and it's also it's socially acceptable right. and people who knew that I was an addict were very okay with believing that I, I could drink like oh well you were you were a heroin addict so you can drink and I was like of course yeah. you know like and it's easy to fool people and it took it took the disease a, a little while because yeah. I had never really drank before it took the disease a little while to pick
1: up and really just have me strangled and that's the thing you know it's it's the disease for me is is like when I make a choice, and I learned this from the relapse as well. When I make a choice to, to pick up, mm-hmm. the consequence, you know, we, we talk about jails, institutions, and death, you know, it's probably going to be one of those three. Mm-hmm. But the consequence is is really, you know, not certain, you know, but mm-hmm. there's a consequence. But I always want to minimize it. I always want to say, well, you know, it's not going to be that big of a deal. You know, I, I'll, be, I'll be hungover. Everything's going to be fine. You know, mm-hmm. I'll tell him myself. I'll go back to meetings, yada, yada. But... There's a lot of people that we know, right through the years, that made that decision to pick up, and that revolving door door didn't go all the way around. You know yeah. what I mean? And they died. Yeah. And that could have been me. I could have hit somebody at that airport. You know?
0: Oh my god. I could have.
1: I was one turn away from the terminal. Right. In a full blackout. Right. I could be in. You know, I could have affected somebody else, somebody else's family, kids. Uh huh. You know, that's a disease for me. It it just shows up like that. Yeah. You know? If I pick up. All bad. Yeah, totally. Yeah. All bad. And,
0: and you can't stop. No. um, I, One time I, I was around when I got married. We were in New Orleans and I ate food that was very boozy. <laughs> and I found out later because we went and talked to them. We're like, surely there's not. I mean, I know it's New Orleans, but surely you're not just doubting everything in booze. And then the waiter was like, "Oh, it was it was the fried bananas thing." He was like, "It was my first time making it, and the first shot of rum I poured in like didn't light fire, so I had to throw another one." And I was like, "Oh, so it was rum that I consumed, but for three days." I was obsessed with how can I accidentally get more? Like how can I? What else can I accidentally eat that will get me drunk? And it it was like it was like the biggest monkey on my back. It drove <laughs> me nuts.
1: I'd be ordering the dessert, saying you know, because they say it cooks down. You know when you they
0: when you, say, right, and
1: I'll say, but boy was I loopy. I want this one raw, please. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'll have the fried bananas, but don't fry it. <laughs> Just do everything but cook it. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like when I used to order. My mimosas but without the orange juice (laughs) totally
1: yeah
0: oh my god i i know it was so because the next thing everybody noticed is what happened was i was like this is so amazing and i wouldn't shut up about how great it was (laughs) my cousin's like well i'm gonna get one too and then he's eating it and his girlfriend took a bite and was like there's a lot of booze in that, and everyone stopped and looked at me. And I, I like, as I'm licking the plate, like, "Uh oh, <laughs> is that why it's so good?" I just thought it tasted great, and it was making me happy. Yeah, and but this, that showed me the disease is alive and well. It's
1: alive and well, and that's why I, yeah. you know, it's important to to stay connected, you know, regardless of how good life is, you know, because that's when it's really, oh, you know, yeah. the disease is the strongest. Uh-huh. Is when you're, you know things are things are good. The f- favorite songs on the radio, shit's fucking badass. You right. know what I mean? Got a house, got kids, you know, job, everything's kick ass. How easy is it to get away?
0: Totally. You know, from the support. Totally. The and stature. And, you that. know, it's like the people that I look up to are the people who, you know, it's like I see people in meetings who are in like a political office. Mm-hmm. I see people in meetings who are musicians that are totally famous, you know, or actors. And it's like those are the people I have respect for because they they keep coming. They know that they have to go to meetings. Yep. You know, it's like they don't care about, oh, well, I can't, you know, yeah. I don't want to be noticed or I don't want to be recognized or I don't want my work. I don't want other people to know I'm an alcoholic. And that's why I'm open about it is because I'm scared to death.
1: Yeah. I want everybody to know. Everybody that I'm going to talk to, everybody that I'm friends with on Facebook, everybody that's in my circle knows who I am. Yeah. Knows that I'm an addict. Knows that I can't put anything in my body. Yeah. You know, and they all know that about me and I need it that way. I have to have it that way because if there's one person that doesn't know, It'd be really easy for me to gravitate to that one person mm-hmm. you know, Yep. no no accountability, no accountability,
0: right. right, I know I just had somebody saying to me last week, like that's so good, you've like three and a half years, like you can totally have a beer now. And I can't even tell, like, that's how I know another way the disease is alive. The disease went, say yes, say yes. And I don't even like beer. You know what I mean? Like, it it doesn't have enough alcohol in it, really, for me. (laughs) But, like, yeah, it's like the the need to just go with that and be like, yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. I can have a beer. I earned this beer with my three and a half years, you know. And then I go back to having
1: cirrhosis. Yeah, it's just a beer. It's It's just just a a beer. beer. That's what my head says. It's just a beer. Right, me too. Yeah.
0: And I, like, but yeah, it's like, like I said, I don't. I don't like beer, so I would be. That was just, yeah. It's it's just obviously me trying to get to the thing, but but like what you said, I I have to be super open about it, mm-hmm. and everybody has to know who I am. Yeah, and every it's so funny because you know I'll do I'll at at the radio station we will have an event and there will be they serve wine at the events and it's so funny because the the wine the people that are there pouring are like would you like a glass and i'll be like nope i'll be smoking crack in two hours (laughs) and it's one of my coworkers are like you maybe didn't have to tell him that you know and i'm like no i want him to know
1: yeah absolutely yeah yeah they have to know i have to know i have to be really open and and transparent with that i really do yeah Uh, and like i said you know if if i have a, a a certain person or people in my support group or not in my support group in my life that are normies, right? If they don't know, it'd be really easy for me to, you know, go to a ball game with them or, you know, maybe even go on vacation, you know, Uh away from people that know me. Because if I'm away from accountability, I don't know what it is about the disease of addiction, but when I'm away from accountability, man, it it goes for me, you know, to the jugular. It goes for the jugular. It does. Okay. He's away from support, right? All right. You know, right. Look, look at that. Look at that martini that lady's sipping on right there. It's all you know. It's it's all you know. Ice and it's hot outside. You right. can have one of those. It's just a martini.
0: Yeah, it's not a big deal. Exactly. It's not yeah. A crack. Yeah, <laughs>
1: it's, it's not heroin. Fuck.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know the things we tell ourselves is right. like it's the disease. It's always the disease talking. That's right. Um and the other thing about coming back and mm-hmm. and I applaud you for this cuz I know from experience how hard it is is like the shame. Yeah. And it's kind of like what, you know, for me it was like okay, what's worse? Do I want to die? You know, do I want to live or die? And if I want to live, I'm going to have to just embarrass myself. And I was so scared to raise my hand as a newcomer again. Yeah. And it's so when I look back in retrospect, The way everybody received me when I did it was the opposite of what my brain was telling me was going to happen. And it's like, that's the disease. And I get so resentful that I have this stupid fucking disease. Like how shitty is that? Yeah, you know it's like I've got a body that's allergic to alcohol and a mind that tells me I need to drink. It what the fuck? Yeah, thanks God.
1: <laughs> I'm looking out. Right, right.
0: <laughs> I know that's what I want. Like, when are they going to make a surgery where I can just take it out? Yeah, because my addiction to my alcoholism isn't just like drinking and using. It comes up everywhere.
1: Yeah, they said that they have a pill that you can take that will uh, n- make you not use. There's a pill and and so when when that's offered to an addict the addict says huh it, I, I can take this one pill and it won't make me use. I wonder what two would do. <laughs> right. I thought you were serious for a second. I was like, "What? Yes. What's in it?" That's that's addiction.
0: That, yeah, like well, I bet it would really work if I smoked it. That's right. You know what? And then I'll crush it up and snort it, and it'll go right to my brain, and then I really won't use. That's right. Won't use with quotes. Yeah, that's
1: right. I think. Uh, I that's think, so good. I think on the relapse part, um, I think it's important to talk about is is the the steps needed at least for me the steps needed after i came back from treatment and what i had to do to to engulf myself back into the fellowship you know and service has saved my ass you know so if 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 somebody's listening here and and you're not you don't have a service commitment and you're struggling that's a perfect thing at least for me it was a perfect thing for me to do where i can i can be at one place every week yeah and in front of the same people uh-huh. every week it's a big deal.
0: It really is. Right. And you don't it doesn't sound like a big deal, but right. it is. Yeah, when I when I moved uh, back to San Francisco, I got so depressed. I was going to meetings, mm-hmm. but I was like you said, I was like on the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. I would you know, I'm not really, really I don't want to talk to these fucking people. Um, And my women's meeting that is now my home group where I I love all of these women so much. I would go on a freezing cold night and not bring a jacket so that I would not have to talk to anyone afterwards. I'd be like, oh, cold, got to go. Yeah, got to go. Yeah, I got to get to my car. I'm freezing. It's the things I did just to avoid connecting or letting anybody near me. But somebody, when I went back up to Sonoma and I was like, I'm depressed. I'm really depressed and I'm still sober and I don't know what to do. She was like, get a commitment. And then when she said that, I was like, that's the dumbest answer ever. What does that have to do with what I just told you? And literally it saved my life. Absolutely. It saved my life.
1: Service gets you out, gets me out of myself. Yep. Because when I'm in, in the head, you know, this thing, you know, is trying to kill me. And, and that's my sponsor always says that. The thing in between your shoulders is trying to fucking kill you. Yeah. You know, just remember that and keep around people in the support where they can, you know, help you and walk you through, you know, what your mind is telling you, which is just a facade. It's mm-hmm. false. It's never the truth. Most of the time. Right. You know. Most of the time. First th- first thought, second thought, third thought, completely fucking wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. And oh, yeah. <laughs> completely <laughs> yeah, wrong. Totally. Right? totally. And we start getting more to the truth on the fourth, fifth, sixth, you know. Yep. For totally. sure. And, yeah.
0: I mean, that's what the reality checks are for. That's
1: it. We got to get those. That's it. So service has been a big deal for me. What uh, else? Well Sponsorship and steps. Yeah. Sponsorship and steps, man. You know, my sponsor and I talk a lot. We don't talk every day. At the beginning, we talked every day. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, we don't talk every day. But, you know, I go to his house. I know where he lives. He comes to my house. You know, we we do cookouts together, but we work steps. And that's a big deal. You right. Because that's something that I got away from way. I got way away from that. Yeah. Working in treatment. You know, yeah, that's in really hard yeah. for people
0: who work in treatment. Yeah. It gives you a false sense of I'm okay because yeah. I'm here all day. There's like, some groups. This is all I do,
1: absolutely. There's some groups that are out now for those that are listening that are working in treatment. There's some groups uh, in San Jose. There's one that's it's called uh, Help Helping the Helpers. Helping the Helpers is the name of the of the group, and they meet once a week and they talk about you know personal stuff. They don't talk about you know the treatment, uh, you know all of all of that jargon. They don't talk about what they're doing for work. They're talking about their personal lives, and I think that's a, a wonderful group that's to get involved. Great, in. yeah.
0: That's a great idea. I mean, same with like the musicians and right. actors meetings they have in L.A. for people who are like, I, I'm going to go and then find out what, what I just said in a meeting is like on TMZ or some shit. Right. You know, like I get there's there's a need for that. There is. There it makes sense.
1: And, and there is. And and so whether you work in treatment or, or, you know, whether, you know, if you have five years, 10 years, 20 years clean, the disease of addiction never goes away. It, it's always there. It's on the shoulder. And it always yeah. finds ways, at least for me, it does. It finds it finds little Little doors, little trap doors to get in, you know, in, yeah. in different ways, you know. And so I, I service, the fellowship, my sponsor, all of those things, right, keep those doors shut. Mm-hmm. It keeps those doors locked down. The disease can't get me. Right. Right. And we hear in, in, the, in the rooms, number one, a grateful addict never gets loaded, mm-hmm. number one. And number two, we've never seen anybody that practices a program of recovery. And that means the steps, sponsorship, power grid in yourself, service, it means all those things. We've never seen anybody that's that's engulfed in those things get loaded. Yeah. Never seen it.
0: Right. I mean, because you can't. Can't do it. No room, and it's like that's that's the one thing that happens when I put a drop of anything in my body is it kills my spirit and it kills my connection to my higher power. That's right. It makes me not even want a connection to my higher power. That's right. I'm in my head. It's like snip, and everything that was going upwards into something greater than me is now in my head. That's right. And I'm like, I got, and then I don't need the power greater than myself. So it's it's like really insidious it is it's fucking evil i got this yeah god it's it's like yeah it's so scary but yeah that doesn't happen when i'm doing everything right no yeah when i'm like doing everything that's suggested in the program that's right and like one thing i always tell people who when they're going through it and they're like i just don't want to be sober anymore i'm like dude let me just tell you something it is so much easier to stay here and work through that shit than to come back Man. It's so hard so to difficult. come back.
1: So difficult. I I couldn't even sleep at night. You know, literally for the 2 weeks I had to go to my home groups and stand up as a newcomer. Oh. I couldn't even sleep at night. Me too. I would be
0: shake I was shaking and sobbing every time I had to raise my hand and it was like but that's I ego. looked back and they loved me. They were like we're, we just don't want you to die. Right. We want you here. You're home, you know. And yeah, and it's like when I look at people who who relapse and raise their hand as a newcomer, I can't wait for the meeting to end so I can go hug them. Right. You know, like, I that. can't wait to welcome them back. And and it's genuine. It's I'm mm. really so happy that they got back. Yeah. And I know in their head, they feel like we all hate them or yeah. we're all judging them. Yeah. But we're rooting for them. Yeah. Like, that's the reality of it.
1: Their old saying is, uh, if you're not thinking about yourself, nobody can hurt your feelings. Right.
0: Let me let that sink in. If you're not, if you're not thinking about yourself, nobody can hurt your
1: feelings. That's right. That's good. So when, so when I relapse and I try to come back.
0: What? But why is that?
1: Well, when I come back, it's, it's all about saving face, right? I right. want to save face. I want it to be as, as, you know, as painless as possible. You know, I, I, I don't want to stand up because I'm thinking about me. And I'm afraid that if I stand up because I'm thinking about me, somebody's going to say something or look at me the wrong way, mm-hmm. right? And I'm going to bolt out of here again or I'm going to get catch a resentment or I'm going to you know, catch some odd feelings, mm-hmm. right? Because I'm thinking of me. But when I'm thinking about the group or when I think about my friends or when I'm thinking about uh, gratitude, how grateful I am that I'm not in prison, that I didn't kill somebody at the airport. You know, if I think along those lines, the perspective kind of shifts. Right.
0: Yeah. And how you can help people like who have the same amount of time you have when you went out who are kind of getting away from the program. That's right. Like, how can I help them? How can I show them what I did so yeah. that they come back.
1: And I don't even need to do that, you know? Yeah. I don't even need to do that. It's it's like just me showing up at meetings and sharing my story, right? Gives them information, makes them a little bit more aware, mm-hmm. right? Gets them to notice their behaviors a little bit more. And some maybe are are need to need to go what I went through. They yeah. they just need to do that. Yeah. Right? Because that's the nature of the disease. Fuck Sometimes yeah. I'm it's I'm a like, hard
0: case. And I got a guy got to literally pound my head in the wall so many times before yeah. I'm done.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's tough, man. It really is. But I'm grateful.
0: I'm grateful Surely for you. I'm grateful that you're back. Thank I really you. am. I know how hard it is to come back, and I'm, I'm so grateful that you came on your show and that you're sharing your experience with others, because that's my whole purpose for having the show.
1: Yeah, I love it. I
0: love it. I'd like to thank Doug for being my guest on the show this week. Be sure and tune in tomorrow where we discuss Doug's new career path, which is very interesting. If you'd like to contact us, it's 415-496-9511. You can call or text even when we're not in studio. Email radiorehab at gotoproductions.com. That's G-O-T-O productions.com. And on all the socials, it's at Radio Rehab Dana. Thank you for listening. Keep coming back.